Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of Co-Creating with AI. I'm Martin, and with me is Rasmus, as always. Uh, how are you today, Rasmus? Pretty good. Uh, had a nice morning, and uh, it's been like a massive, I don't know, storm is probably <laughs> a little yeah. bit, or like, uh, little bit uh, of exaggerating, but it's been this like level of wind where like the house almost shakes a little bit uh, <laughs> in the yeah. in the night. Uh, so that was exciting. Uh, always like we have a lot of trees around here. So like cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been super windy here as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and but I've I've uh, I've been so focused on work actually the past couple of days. I was in Italy last week, and now when I'm back, I'm just uh, I've been at my computer like from eight in the morning until midnight for two days now straight, and I've been barely outside but uh, yeah it's it's uh, it's uh, the fall is upon us yeah for real now no doubt Italy was fine uh, 26 degrees and 21 in the sea so we could swim and stay in the sun and have a really good time cool have to hear so, so uh, today? yeah um we talked about the idea of uh, having real-world business use cases of AI as a theme and see what comes up. And I'm uh, pretty sure that uh, you have some stories to tell there from, from Multiply, and maybe I can dig up something as well. Uh, so, uh, But what comes top of mind of you when you think about uh, business use cases for AI? I think what's interesting to see is that we've so quickly gone to the point that pretty much everyone I talk to and everyone they talk to are thinking about how to, or like active, not only thinking about, like actively trying to bring AI into their businesses. Yeah. And as a friend of mine who, who helps companies uh, within, like actually do this, like as mm. a consultant, uh, he divides it in like... Um, uh, people, process, and product. So, like being more productive as people, and then automating processes, and then of course bringing it into the product, which is mm -hmm. not relevant for all companies, but for a lot of software companies. Mm. Um, so, I'll, uh, I mean, let's let's look into there, and also look into different ways that um, you know they have at approaching this. And mm. uh, um, I think maybe yeah, go on. I, I just wanted uh, like a thought that came up is that one really strong reoccurring meme almost that has been that that is floating everywhere is this notion of like ai will, won't replace you but someone that uses ai will mm. and and i think that really uh, maybe gets to people that that individuals even if organizations are not seeking ai as a solution then individuals are like how can i as a person uh, like an individual leverage ai in my daily work because i don't want to be replaced i don't want to and i i like I don't want to miss out on this productivity boost AI can give me. Yeah, so I think, it's interesting. Yeah, I think that can be a driver as well for adoption, like the, the individual aspect. Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, you pretty much mentioned both like sort of fear and hope there, like yeah. fear of uh, being replaced or, you know, being outcompeted. And uh, the other one is the hope of actually there are still a lot of things we don't want to do on a daily yeah. basis. Yeah, uh, there is so much repetitive work where we feel mm. that uh, we, uh, you know, we so, don't really. If we could choose, someone else would do it for us. And I think that's capturing the imagination of people. Actually, 
And that's what I'm feeling. There is an actual excitement uh, on like, uh, not only within like the tech nerdy kind of uh, mm. communities, but, but like just anyone working with the computer really. And when there is both the carrot and the stick present, then uh, the behavior will it can actually change, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I also think we're at the point, and I think this might be a good segue into uh, uh, you know giving examples and exploring the different mm-hmm. ways that businesses are doing this. Is that like quite a lot of people are using ChatGPT? Yes. Like it's I, I don't know like how like what the latest numbers are. I don't know if they shared it. But like, if I just talk to people, there there are most people who are like relatively digital, you know, spend significant time in front of their computer, mm. uh, are you know experimenting with ChatGPT. They they are yeah, almost every day. Like if you if you ask people, and they're open to like sharing, they're using ChatGPT almost every day. That's what I find. Um, like without being this AI nerdy AI optimist, they they people are really uh, using it for for their businesses and and personal life but what i think is interesting yeah i agree uh, is that i think that we're at the point at least a lot of people i speak with who also feel the limitation mm. of chat gpt of being limited to do this for me now and then do this for me and especially for like more complex workflows that requires multiple steps, it takes a bit too much time and effort, uh, especially if you want to keep it organized, and especially for companies who have multiple, um, um, you know, diff- like a lot of different processes where they want to implement it. Uh, so, like, I can, maybe I can start there. Just uh, the, which is something we provide in Multiply, of course. Mm. We have, um, you know. One of our pilot customers uh, is a you know very well known like marketing and brand agency, and the interesting thing with with that type of business, and I think this applies to many businesses, as, as, especially when they you know are you know ten twenty people plus, uh, in this case maybe like around hundred, uh, is that they have like a lot of different uh, workflows for like a marketing and brand agency. A lot of them are around you know. Uh, content analysis, content production. Uh, they, you know, produce brand material or advertising material or mm. content to get engagement uh, or SEO uh, for their clients. And mm. what's interesting there is then they have multiple workflows, multiple clients. So that you like to organize that efficiently with, you know, ChatGPT becomes a hassle. So I'll give oh, an that example. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. to keep that organized, right? Uh, I mean, just for us keeping, you know, our workflows pre-multiply organized in, you know, with prompts in ChatGPT are, you know, it takes time mm-hmm. and it takes like a lot of effort. So yeah. uh, one example of that, just like from our end is just multi-step workflows. So a process that has only one step, mm-hmm. is, you know, you might not even call that a process, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still think ChatGPT is great for like those, like just, you know, very like, you know, you do something once, you ask something once, you just like get a, get a get an answer, get help with something, you know, uh, but as soon as there's something you want to do repetitively, mm. and as soon as there's something that has multiple steps. Uh, so one example is um, taking, uh, you know, a, uh, let's say, um, the content of a new client and creating a brand voice. Uh, so actually capturing how they communicate. And of course, you can, based on that, iterate on that. But let's mm. say this client is happy 
with the way they communicate, but they haven't necessarily formulated like a clear brand voice. So that's very easy to, you know, uh, you know, for example, multiply uh, LinkedIn, you know, the like uh, web pages of, of content or files uh, describing the brand voice and then generate a description that they uh, can understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then take that for each client and create, say, a new piece of content for SEO or for advertising. Uh, and then based on that, for example, take that and repurpose that for different social media posts mm-hmm. uh, across different platforms. Uh, involved in that are, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 prompts, uh, yeah. which should all contain the results of uh, the, the previous. previous yeah. yeah. Uh, or add in some new level of information that is needed to make, you know, hmm. uh, that part of the process work well. So it's really like the complexity when you think about, you know, different data that comes into different workflow, the different instructions, the prompts to generate uh, one piece like some output and the specification of that output so that it actually uh, keeps the format that you want and then being able to use that in the next step. So just those like waterfall kind of processes, I see like that no code tools such as um, Multiply, but also such as, you know, make.com, which is the form Integromat, et cetera, are starting to be quite adopted Mm. by most companies. I mean, maybe the like some of the really forefront ones like top 10 companies, they, you know, set up their own in-house AI teams to really, you know, build out very custom software, uh, yeah. you know, because they have big development teams. They are, uh, it's in their nature. Uh, but my like current hypothesis is that for most companies, uh, you know, they will use no code tools to implement mm. AI, or of course they will use, you know, in one tool they already use or a specific tool for a specific workflow that they get, they will, uh, you know, just just sign up for that. Uh, so I think that we're really, um, um, you know, for the broad mass market of, of businesses, uh, you know, the uh, kind of the no code tools are really having uh, their day in the sunlight. And hmm. uh, now with with AI, because it adds such a an added level of value, hmm. like obvious value replacing, you know, repetitive and boring work. Uh, you know, that that I think was not as obvious in the previous generation of, say, using Integromat or Sapier to connect different tools so that data flows. It was like less obvious because it was still not connected to output. It was sort of helping you get better like overview and input, but it wasn't actually producing output for you, uh, whether that's social media content or, you know, product plan based on customer interview data. Uh, so I think that's uh, that's like a big step I'm seeing. You know, people actually making the effort to go from, um, you know, one step kind of prompts to multi-step workflows, and how no-code tools come in there to sort of, mm. uh, you know, facilitate that. So uh, I want to highlight one significant thing that I'm uh, hearing when when you in what you're describing uh, with the the multi-step. Um, workflows that that multiply offers and also uh, make.com is that they are repeatable and they are also therefore improvable sorry my 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 voice is giving out to me Um, and what that like i mean there are a different class of services which also has multi-step um workflows but 
that are new each time, which is like God mode, which is a very easy, like easy adoptable service. You can try it for anything. There's also perplexity, which has re repeatable workflow. But th basically, they what they've done is that they've built a service, um, which is like ChatGPT, but that has one single repeatable research workflow that you can you can en enable. You it like there's a switch when you when you prompt it, you en you enable their copilot. They call it the copilot or not. Like that's a that's a just on off switch, and if it's on. It's a it's a workflow like a chain of prompts where it first thinks about how can I understand this question the best, and then what should I research on the web, and then it presents the results, and then uh, from the web, and then it and then it generates the answers to the question, and that's the copilot workflow of Perplexity AI, and it's super powerful, but it's only one single workflow, so. With with multiply and make.com, for example, you get the power of unlimited number of workflows like that, but that you also can build yourself. You design every step for yourself or for your organization. And it's co um co-created among many people, potentially, but it also it's also uh, that you can constantly involve uh, sorry, evolve and be improved over and over. Yeah, I think that's interesting. So, like, if I would, like, I'm not sure if this is the correct frame, but there's, like, one option, which is set up your workflow, design it yourself, make.com, multiply, etc. Um, and there's the god mode or perplexity where the AI sort of uh, has a more general abstract workflow mm. and then... Um, plans the steps yeah. it needs to take to perform it and then mm. you can repeat that so i think that's like also like a very like interesting development which we we're of course also uh, exploring but where uh, you hand off uh, you know designing the workflows mm. uh, to these models and i think both god mode and perplexity are quite interesting examples where you uh, just provide a, a, some primitives like you know it can mm. it has a uh, it always takes a few steps planning uh, in terms of tasks and then it can execute those tasks both in terms of like just uh, generation or like going out and searching and fetching data or uh, you know uh, asking for data you need to provide uh, you know it, in perplexity you can for example upload files uh, and and then it it sort of uh, continues performing the workflow. So mm -hmm. I think it's like a very interesting exploration there. In, and I don't think it's obvious yet if we're at the level of agency, like in these like more agentic uh, apps mm. uh, where, uh, you know, you can hand off uh, the design of workflows to the AI or uh, if, if we're still at the level where you need to like be very specific and set it up yourself to get the good results. Yeah. Uh, but I'm looking forward to explore. Do you have a sense of that? And like, what have you seen seen come up lately? Yeah. So, um, th yeah, there is um, there's also the autogen or the the many agents, the swarm of agents uh, that has been popular lately with uh, Microsoft Autogen framework. Uh, however, um, what comes to mind is that uh, exactly what you're saying that 
it is human-created workflows that so far has been proven to, to create repeatable business value. I think uh, Godmode has seen a huge popularity, but uh, as you said before, we don't know if it has staying power yet. And But what does have, have staying power is the, the, hum, the sort of human-made, um, optimized, and continuously improved upon workflow of perplexity or make.com or multiply. And where the human is in the loop in the case of multiply and, and perplexity. And you can run the workflow with new data in every time um, you are, you're sort of watching it run. You can upload files. You can prompt it differently, tweak, tweak your input. and But make.com... Um, has sort of a set and it fetches an input it gets an input from somewhere it runs a process which is pretty much the same every time and there's no human in the loop maybe there's a human providing input triggering something uh, but the the process running is sort of a side effect of something else happening in the world or if it's on a schedule but um, and with multiply is sort of um bringing in both of those worlds where um, in the end we aim to have both scheduled um, workflows and human-triggered workflows. So, uh, but the business value is definitely in the human-created workflows, uh, what we can see uh, so far. The the very agentic um, AI-planned workflows are a, a bit more hit and miss, I feel. Yeah, and they're a bit more one-off as well. It's like I think like one of the cool, uh, you know, examples that is quite old is you know before even I think it's even pre LLM like Google Assistant, you know, calling up a uh, hairdresser and booking a time for you. Mm. I think they've probably updated it since uh, you know Bard etc. Uh, and then with um, you know one of the first demos of ChatGPT with plugins was a planet trip and and then book it for me mm. uh, using you know i don't know booking.com plugin etc so those are still like uh, you know in my least frame uh, one off workflows but what i think is interesting when you just uh, talked uh, like about make.com etc is there is you know multi step process right like a repeatable process it could also even be like just a repeating one like like a very simple process right the yeah. being able to to run that yeah. efficiently but there's also the point of like repetitive input so that was a repetitive instruction what we said and then there's repetitive input so like and what i mean by that is maybe you have a set of data that you always want to interact with mm. even though the instructions the interactions are one off so i think it's quite interesting how we're seeing the um, chatbot for X, so to say, the chat mm. GPT for X, uh, you know, really take off. Mm. Uh, and like a couple of examples, and one of them I'll be less specific with because it's a friend of mine starting it, uh, and, and one is it's um, public, so I'll take that as well. Uh, but the first one is just there's a, a specific industry that has a lot of regulation, uh, and uh, like, you know, the kind of the amount of regulation that you can't know even if you're like the lawyer in the field or you're the mm. like expert in that field, you don't know all this regulation. So what he did is just take all that regulation and take one of these um, um, no-code tools where you can create custom chatbots 
and uploaded all those documents and uh, which uh, and the service then automatically ran embeddings on them and then he specified a simple chatbot uh, in order to only answer questions based on that data in the embeddings like the data that had been embedded and he built that in like a couple of weeks uh, and then you know when he demoed it to uh, people in that field and they were like oh we've been we've been looking for this question for like ages been discussing the team we haven't found it and then in the demo i mean this may be a lucky shot but like, then he just typed it into the chatbot and the answer came yeah wow. uh, uh, so it, i think that's also like a very interesting thing here is like sometimes it's process that's repetitive the instructions step uh, mm. and, and especially when it's multi-step it seems to be like a lot of business value in there uh, that chat gpt can't serve but um you also have this when you have like a specific set of data whether that's for an industry like in the case i described or for a specific company uh, so and, and sometimes i think it might be both so we have uh, there's a new swedish startup i think they're called Leia that is working one of the leading law agencies uh, to uh, to you know just provide like a, 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 an assistant for, for lawyers and there's a bunch of these tools right uh, but i mean in that case i can definitely see it you know both being you know having all the regulation all the mm -hmm. relevant legal legalities for a specific jurisdiction uh, embedded but also being trained and there we could you know dive into how to best do that but but i'm not sure if that's relevant on the specific way that this law firm uh, creates their documents their different templates their different workflows for going through with the client you know and there they can probably automate a lot of at least paralegal work uh, you know taking input from the client uh, gathering it doing the necessary research uh, finding their you know reference cases etc cetera, etc cetera, and then uh, providing a draft uh, of the document that the um, the customer needs you know mm. the agreement uh, for example uh, so i think um, there's really like both in this like having the right data for a specific workflow and then being able to um, whether that's you know uh, the, the these examples I gave or the example I gave in the beginning with having you know the brand voice of a customer mm. uh, uh, and then having being able to define the the processes and because both of these are like more and more being provided in, in uh, no code tools um, you know I, I really think that uh, the only limiting like the main limiting factor right now is is you know knowledge and expertise yeah. in actually doing this and uh my my impression is that it, it it requires a lot less knowledge and expertise than people think mm. so that's the only like if, for the people listening to this i'd encourage to really experiment with like no code tools because there are a lot of things you can build very very quickly with barely any you know uh or zero, uh, you know, uh, engineering expertise, mm. like like being a developer. Uh, mm. At least that's my sense. What do you like? Is that also when you're playing around with like the different things out there? Yeah, and what actually comes to mind as well is is the actual uh, engineering um, workflow um, that I have now with Cursor.so being my main tool for writing code, and uh, they have this. And, and Cursor.so is a fork of VS Code where they have integrated uh, GPT-4 um, right into the, the code editor. And one paradigm that is super powerful that they have implemented is that you can 
you can very easily ask it to index a certain uh, documentation that you that you need in order to complete your code. So that there are, of course, thousands and thousands of of uh, open source um, projects out there, each with their own extensive documentation. This is pretty much like the super massive reference material that you talked about in your business use case, where it is uh, not possible for for one human to to know about all these libraries in, in detail. So what what cursor.so allows me to do is to to um, import a new documentation that is uh, on the web where they uh, where I give it as a URL and it actually indexes that URL and everything below it. Every all the, it follows all the link, but it stays within that URL structure. So if it's a subsection of a web website, it will not index the entire website, just that subsection where the relevant part of the documentation is. So and and then after it's done that once, I can at mention that I give it a marker, I tag it basically, and I can at mention that specific documentation. So for some projects, maybe there's there's an API and there's a quick start tutorial and there and then I can index them separately and give them different tags. And I can at mention the API reference and I can at mention the quick start tutorial and the AI will bring that into the context. So it is sort of a at mention becomes a tool for context curation when I'm co-creating with a with AI inside cursor. And that becomes super powerful and and would be an extremely powerful paradigm inside multiply as well. If with with at if I could at mention we have that as well with linking documents. It's super easy to set up a link to to a new document. Um, in the con, just to curate the context for the AI. Yeah, I mean that that is interesting. So in that sense, it's also being able to dynamically like build the build the context, right? Say yes. as a human, this is what is relevant in order for you to perform this task for me mm. or to perform this business process. Uh, so, um, and these things are like, yeah, I mean they're 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 out there right now. I saw some yeah. survey of uh, Copilot users that. You know, they wouldn't want to live about without it. Like people actually start using Copilot uh, to to code. They Definitely. you know never want to go back. Yeah. And I think that's going to be like the, like just getting back to the start. Like what motivates people here? I think when people really like you know experience something a little bit magical hmm. in in their their work, they don't want to go back. And that's why I think for people who actually quickly get some real value out of chat gpt tends to stick mm. and the same thing with these other tools that are of course much closer to the user if it's in their you know developer software if it's uh, in something they already use on a daily basis uh, but what so, so what comes next do you think like in order to i mean we're going to round off soon but mm. like what do you think is like what's um what's boiling so to say what's uh, what's uh, what's what's the next thing you think that's likely to happen um, to uh, bring this out to more people? Is it just like a steady flow now of people discovering it and trying it? Or like, what do you think is the uh, uh, the uh, catalyst that will bring it out to more people? I think there is a big sort of catch-up effect coming. There's a, there's a, um, 
there's been an initial resistance because AI is something unknown. And then there's the threshold of, of knowledge that we have to get over. But now all the consultancy firms have done that work and they are starting to, to bring the value of AI to their clients. So so, so that becomes a, a vehicle for all organizations to transform into an AI paradigm. And so what is the first thing to come, I, I don't actually think the the biggest thing now is going to be further um, further development of tools, but that the, the existing tools, which are actually good enough to create real world business value, that they are going to explode in, in, in popularity and the AI is going to see a lot more use um, just from the tools that already exist. So for me, that's, that's something exciting. And then, then in the what I look forward to in the in tools development is um, the notion of AI planning more, like planning being a bit more agentic, planning its work still with the human in the loop, perhaps. Um, but and then uh, I also want to mention, since you brought up GitHub Copilot, that GitHub Copilot was, I, I think, it was one of the first services that was actually deployed in the real world with really big user value and it has pulled off something like a magic trick that no other ai service have have done which is to become an ambient part of the the workflows because you you with github copilot you just you work in your ordinary tool and it just provides suggestions that are high quality and you can just accept the suggestion with tab key or reject it by just keep typing yourself. And, and that is such a huge um, u, like UX value that it has, the user doesn't have to call upon it for, for it to be active. You, you activate it once and then you get the value continuously in all of your work and you just get this unconscious productivity boost that you then never want to live without. And that has... Um, not been replicated in many other AI tools that um, that come up that you just you see the value uh, without having to do further work. I think that's actually like maybe a good point to end on. But for me, it sort of comes in two buckets where I'm most excited and where I think most of the value is going to come from. And the first one uh, is what you're saying. It's basically, I mean, it, what what you're using is VS Code, right? It's very like well used product. But now there's a fork of it. So it's an ex, it's a new product, but that takes something very existing, uh, but makes AI ambient in it, right? Uh, and I mean, maybe VS Code could have done it, etc., right? Or some other existing editor. Yeah, with uh, uh, with, really... with Copilot, it's actually a plugin to to VS Code as well. So you just have to install the plugin, and then it's there in in the original product as well. Okay, and what they do mm. is add GPT four as well, so you could use that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And and with cursor, it's actually yeah with with their innovations, you actually have to call upon them. So they 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 GitHub Copilot still works in cursor the same way as in VS Code, but uh, you also can call upon GPT four to code for you when you want it. Mm. But it's interesting because like the, the sense I'm getting at there is that. There will be one category of either existing or new products, and that will just be a, I mean, a, like a, a result of execution. If it's an existing product or a new product, uh, that 
you know, basically provide something very similar to what you're already using or within something you're already using and uh, makes AI a very natural part of it uh, that, you know, uh, becomes a boost. Uh, or it's the kind of no-code tools where uh, you can build on top of the products you already use. Uh, so, like, and, and uh, get new value uh, by uh, building, you know, AI on top of it, existing data sets or existing tools. So I think there's like, um, um, there's going to be like, I think maybe that's a different deck, like a, a division. It's probably not exhaustive, but of like custom tooling, which a lot of companies are going to need, which was the second category that I said. And then just like existing tooling, uh, you know, used like people have used code editors for ages, right? And now mm. there's Cursor, which was a hit because it just did a little, something a little bit better mm. and made AI a little bit, you know, uh, more natural to use. Uh, I mean, there are probably more categories, but at least for me, I feel like in on the topic of like how it comes out to businesses, I think that's uh, those are like the, the two venues, the main venues that I see right now. And then, of course, I'm also really excited about how uh, these both, like how, how the AI can have more agency within them, you know, either in designing the workflows, performing the workflows or uh, being part of your uh, existing tool, you know, coding with you. I mean, imagine when, you know, cursor where the... Uh, agent is like you know ah oh, you know you're working on this you want me to try this out and, and do this part for you mm -hmm. and then you're like okay and then or it just does it and then shows you something and then you're like okay wow yeah uh, so I, I think um but we talked a lot about that before but that's at least the way i see it do you have any any like final thoughts before a round off no i think that sums it up and and uh, the most important um uh, part for me is the actual adoption of these tools like we can build all the tools and cool cool technology in the world but it's when uh, people actually start using it at scale that we see value creation happen cool okay thanks a lot martin it's been fun thanks erasmus see you next time yeah see you and thank you to the listener i'll do that this time uh, yeah. for staying with us to the end if you have any questions or thoughts, uh, you can email us at Rasmus or Martin at multiply.co. Um, yeah, have a great day.